Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everybody. Cheryl Atkinson here. Welcome to another edition of Full Measure After Hours. Today, some pretty surprising information from the border in Arizona along the Mexican border where, as I found, rumors of a looming crisis that could impact millions of Americans do not appear to be exaggerated. We have a lot to talk about today regarding news developing on the southern border, and it is not good. You know, I've made many trips to the border over the years with the goal of just figuring out what's really going on without the spin. When I travel down there, for example, to the border of California and Mexico, New Mexico and Mexico, Texas and Mexico, or Arizona and Mexico. My only goal is to figure out what's happening without the spin by talking to residents who live in the area, ranchers, city officials and border towns, law enforcement officials, both state, local, and federal. And I always seem to learn something different than what I have seen widely reported on the news. That's the value of going there firsthand. If you're like me, if we've learned nothing else over the past couple of years, it's not to necessarily believe everything we see reported at face value. And there are a lot of reporters reporting on the southern border who aren't going there or maybe have never even been there. They're sort of reporting what other people are telling them, maybe with some political spin, Maybe they're reporting one side of the situation accurately, but not giving a full picture by reporting other parts of this border story, too. So it's helpful to go down there. And I just got back from the Arizona-Mexico border. This was probably my third trip there for full measure. And as usual, I learned a lot that I didn't already know. You know, people are talking about whether there is a coming or impending border crisis under the Biden administration with the attempts to reverse or erase what the Trump administration did with illegal immigration. What did I find out? Well, by virtually every account, when you're talking about border city officials that we spoke to or law enforcement, federal and local, the crisis is already here. You may not have seen a lot of coverage of it on the news, but I urge you to Go on Twitter, for example, and look at the Customs and Border Protection Twitter accounts for some of these border sectors, such as in Texas. And you can see the number of illegal immigrants rushing the border now. Thousands of people are flooding in. But just to take one example, the night before President Biden's inauguration, and there are pictures of this, 102 people from Central America, from Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador, walked from Mexico to a place where the border wall ends in Arizona, crossed into the U.S. illegally, and gave themselves up. This is being repeated over and over again today along the border. And I think what's important to know is 
these are people largely, I think, that we think of as deserving people who are coming here looking for jobs and a better way of life, sometimes fleeing dangerous countries. So looking for opportunity, but also looking for safety for their families. But this cannot be entirely separated from the drug and human traffickers who are the ones facilitating a lot of this traffic, exploiting them before they are many times exploited here in the United States. And right now there is a new strategy, sort of a trend that Customs and Border Protection told me they've noticed lately, which is a swarming strategy that the cartels are using along the border like the enemy does in Iraq and Afghanistan. What they do is they send groups, according to Border Patrol, of a couple of people at a time to swarm along the border to use up resources because Border Patrol agents then have to report to where they see people crossing illegally. They'll send a couple more, say, a quarter mile further down the border, then a couple more, and so on, until all the available Border Patrol agents are tied up on these calls. And then what happens? They know that they can move their drugs and human traffic while the Border Patrol is distracted with these other calls. On my trip there, I spoke to John Maudlin, who is the lead agent for Border Patrol in Tucson, Arizona, the sector that covers about 262 miles of the border between U.S. and Mexico. And he said 90% of the people apprehended in that sector, the Tucson sector, are single adults who try to avoid apprehension. That's in contrast to what they see more of in Texas. I've been told for years by border agents that Arizona has more drug trafficking, more drugs being moved across the border. Texas has more human trafficking. And that in every case, by and large, the cartels are the ones controlling the traffic across the border, whether it's people or drugs. They are determining who gets to cross. They are charging fees, uh, making requirements, exploiting the people who want to cross, sending some people across with drugs. Uh, By the way, during the coronavirus pandemic, it's been harder for the cartels says Border Patrol, to find people to do the trafficking. So they have been recruiting more and more individuals, including U.S. citizens, to transport drugs internally, if you know what I mean. There's been a big uptick in that. And not just a little bit. The pictures they showed of how much fentanyl and other opioids, how much heroin, how much that people can fit inside their bodies. Not only is it disgusting, it's pretty serious problem, but that's just one of the trends, another one of the trends that they've been seeing lately. Anyway, from a numbers perspective, what I found out from Border Patrol's John Modlin was pretty startling. He said that right now, as of the time I interviewed him a few days ago in Arizona, he said, we are 100% over in terms of numbers of illegal immigrants intercepted, 100% over where we were this time the last fiscal year. So in the first four months of this fiscal year, he said they've already surpassed all of 2018. And if the flow continues at the rate it currently is, by the end of this fiscal year, we will have surpassed, in terms of illegal immigrant crossings, we will have surpassed all of 2018, 2019, and 2020 combined. So that's huge. And everyone we spoke to blamed the uptick on an expected reversal of the get-tough policies that President Trump put in place to fight illegal immigration. 
At the end of 2018, while President Trump was still in office, there was a crisis. 2,000 immigrants a day were being intercepted at the southern border, and that prompted a lot of reporting you heard about security concerns and a humanitarian crisis because there was just no place to put everybody once they stayed in the United States to be processed and wait for their court dates. In early 2019, the Trump administration started to address this and did so quite successfully, although I don't remember a lot of reporting on it. He invoked something called Migrant Protection Protocols, MPP, which forced people that were seeking asylum to wait in Mexico. Now, remember, we had gone to a point where if anybody came into the U.S., set one foot on U.S. soil and said, I seek asylum, you know, if they said certain magic words, which they learned how to say, then they had been allowed to come into the United States, uh, have a court date set to process their asylum claims, sometimes four or five years in the future. Most of them don't show up for the court dates, and here they are. So in early 2019, amid this crisis, the Trump administration addressed that with the migrant protection protocols that required those seeking asylum to wait in Mexico. Quite brilliant in terms of controlling the traffic because... It required Mexico's cooperation, and the Trump administration was able to get that. But what happened was it really dropped off the asylum-seeking traffic because these illegal immigrants from Central America are paying sometimes $20,000 to the illegal traffickers to get across the border into the U.S., and they're not going to pay that kind of money to find out, oh, I have to wait in Mexico for four years. So that was very effective. And Then in 2020, add to that another strategy, Title 42. Title 42 was an emergency health order invoked because of coronavirus that allowed border officials to do something probably the Trump administration wanted to do all along, which was immediately turn back illegal immigrants. They didn't even have to be processed because of health reasons, because of COVID-19. And again, under the category of not widely reported, at least I didn't see much reporting on this, Those Trump administration moves had a dramatic impact. And if you were against illegal immigration, this impact was for the good. By May of 2020, so May of last year, 90% of the illegal immigrants caught at the southwest border were being expelled. I can't tell you how stark this contrast was with what had been happening for the previous years. And because... So many of the illegal immigrants were being expelled and not allowed to stay. What happened? Well, the number of illegal immigrants crossing the border dropped dramatically. In fact, according to Border Patrol, the number of intercepted illegal immigrants dropped from, in 2019, about a million, that's a million in 2019, to roughly half that in 2020. So big change. But all of that appears to be over for the time being. The Biden administration entered office with executive orders pre-written that would move toward dialing back on a lot of these policies, seeing them as non-humanitarian. And they've made it clear in the Biden administration that their focus is turning to more of a humanitarian mission rather than an enforce the border laws mission. When we come back after a short break, the impact this is already having on the border and what some border communities are saying about the crisis that they see just around the corner. Do you have something to say and want to make your own podcast? Let me tell you how to do that for free with Anchor. Anchor has creation tools that let you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. 
You can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's all you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. We are back and discussing the really dramatic changes happening right now as we speak along the southern border as a result of the Biden administration coming in and reversing the Trump administration initiatives when it comes to illegal immigration, with the Biden administration insisting it's trying to fix or repair all of the immigration policies that it says the Trump administration broke. So on my visit to the border between Arizona and Mexico, I also traveled about 65 miles north of the border because I heard about a town called Wilcox, Arizona, small town, where the mayor, Mike Laws, started hearing some pretty wild rumors recently of a plan. The plan by Border Patrol supposedly to use his small town as a repository, as a place to release overflow of illegal immigrants through an upcoming expected onslaught. You see, Border Patrol has been planning for some weeks, if not a couple of months, for the onslaught that is already beginning to arrive. And officials have told me, as they've told others, including members of Congress, they do not plan to allow themselves to be villainized as they feel they have been in the past by being put in the position of simply not having the personnel to process and hold all of the people that come across the border and then being criticized when they do their best to make provisions to do what they're supposed to do. They're just going to release them. They've made this clear. They're not going to hold them anymore and risk being criticized and getting in this political position. A lot of them told me they feel they have been turned basically into social workers conducting humanitarian missions rather than law enforcement officials protecting the border. Well, in any event, Mike Laws, the mayor of Wilcox, Arizona, hears this rumor that his city is supposed to be used, that they're going to be releasing illegal immigrants there, 65 miles north of the border. Why there? Well, there happens to be a large uh, border patrol facility on the edge of town. So the anticipation is once the border cities where illegal immigrants are going to be released are overflowing, some will be brought 65 miles north to Wilcox and other places and released there. Problem is, Mayor Laws says he does not have any way to take care of these people. He doesn't have soup kitchens. He doesn't have restrooms. He doesn't have tents or places to put beds in, doesn't have a way to care for them. And he says, really, people may think they're doing something humanitarian by letting them stay in the U.S. and releasing them, but he said it's quite the opposite because they will be dumped without a penny to their name in many cases, the inability to work because it's illegal to hire them when they're awaiting their court date. So Border Patrol's plan, he heard, was to escort the border crossers to the town and basically point them to walk in the direction of the local Greyhound bus station, which is housed inside the Texaco station. It's basically just a ticket counter inside the convenience store. You buy it there. There is one bench outside the Texaco station that serves as sort of the bus stop. And the town was being told that they could have maybe 30 to 40 people a day released there. Again, very small town. And the bus sometimes doesn't come for 
three days, according to the mayor. So you look at maybe having 120 people sitting on this little bench or standing around this little bench at the Texaco station where the Greyhound bus station is, assuming they have money to get on the Greyhound bus and go somewhere. But really the most immediate concern that I heard, not just from Mayor Laws, but from law enforcement officials, was something that was actually confirmed at a meeting that was held shortly before my visit. I looked at the video of the meeting. A meeting called with Border Patrol to confirm these rumors about their intentions. And this has to do with COVID. Unlike U.S. citizens, which you know, if we leave the country and come back in, there's all kinds of requirements. I think we have to produce a negative coronavirus test. There are you know, all kinds of requirements for what we can do within the United States. Well, the illegal immigrants who are going to be brought in and released in places like Wilcox are supposedly not going to have any COVID testing. This sounds kind of unbelievable. and People might get confused because there is a set of illegal immigrants who will be tested for coronavirus, according to the White House. These are the ones who have been waiting for asylum court dates in Mexico under the Remain in Mexico program. Maybe there's 25,000 of them that the Biden administration has already made moves to start transporting into the U.S., and they say they are relying on their partners in Mexico and nonprofits and so on to make sure these people are coronavirus tested before they come in. I assume that if they have coronavirus, that they're going to be allowed in and given treatment here. I don't think they're going to be forced to stay in Mexico. That's not terribly clear. But in any event, there is supposedly going to be COVID testing for them, but not for the expected hundreds of thousands who are flooding the border starting now and will be processed and released. Again, this sounded pretty unbelievable, so I wasn't sure that was true, but I watched the video of myself of a February 18th city council meeting in Wilcox um, where this was addressed. There was Border Patrol lead agent in the area, Alexander Blaise, who came and testified or talked to the city council and answered their questions and was asked point blank are you guys going to be doing any testing or just putting them out and letting us deal with it? And the Border Patrol official said, it's a good question. The answer is no, we are not testing. So, of course, this is very upsetting to the communities. Mayor Laws said that, you know, someone made the comment, well, just take him to the hospital. But he spoke to the head of the hospital in this small town. They have all of 24 beds, reportedly. And the head of the hospital said, my beds are full. I can't take anybody else. So this is a huge looming problem for them. Now, I also spoke to, for more numbers, the Cochise County, Arizona Sheriff's Office. They are on the front lines of border enforcement. They've tried some unique strategies over the years that have worked. And I've reported on that in the past at full measure. But I was back on my recent trip speaking to Sergeant Tim Williams. Williams and his team, by the way, devised a program that I profiled maybe a year and a half ago where they designed really actually quite a simple network of hidden cameras around the border in places that the technology from the federal border patrol agents was not catching a lot of the drug traffic because their technology is either surface technology based on you know people walking across or touching the surface or cameras and surveillance up on these poles, 
but Williams and his team designed these cameras that can see into the gullies that the drug cartels had learned how to exploit because those were blind spots. And it's been very successful. Another interesting thing Cochise County did, also something I profiled was they had, and I think still have, like a 100% prosecution rate, um, particularly when it comes to minors. They found that uh, underage children were being exploited by the cartels really in horrible ways, sometimes violent ways to move drugs because in general, minors are just released by the feds. So if a minor gets caught, there's no repercussions. And the traffickers learned they could use them as mules. They recruited these children, sometimes in American high schools, uh, to move drugs. But when they were prosecuted, as they did in Cochise County as part of a strategy, it turned out they almost stopped drastically cut back and almost stopped the use of minors, at least in their county. But as for numbers now, Williams told me that normally they'd see about three to 400 people a month coming across the corridor where they work. They can see these people on cameras and Border Patrol can never catch all of them, even when they see them, but they can count them. Well, currently, instead of three to 400 a month, uh, Williams told me that number has gotten to 2,500 to 2,800 a month. So think about that. That's exponentially higher. And he said it's because it's a free ticket to the United States at this point. At least the drug cartels and the traffickers are advertising this in Central America, telling people that if they come now, basically a free ticket once they get in. And again, as an example, Sergeant Williams told me that they averaged about eight 15,000 illegal crossings that they saw on their surveillance last year just in their system. So if 18,000 come and now instead of being turned back, he says they're going to be turned loose in communities that some of which only have a population of three to 4,000 people, this is going to have a huge impact. So the last thing I did on this particular trip to Arizona was talk to some of the ranchers who ranch borderland along the U.S.-Arizona-Mexican border. And I think what people don't understand if they haven't visited the border is the impact this has on the people who live there, the border communities and the ranchers. They have to deal with smugglers who bring drugs through there, leave trash, cut the fences, which messes up how they handle their animals, uh, I know I've talked to ranchers who have had to hire people full-time. This is very expensive for them just to repair fences that are cut by the illegal immigrants and drug traffickers who move through their property. Some have had tens of thousands crossing their ranch property in a pretty short period of time. And law enforcement is quick to point out that all of these people that sometimes wreak havoc on the private property of the ranchers and people in the border communities sometimes breaking into vehicles... Uh, causing the people who live there to feel like they have to travel armed everywhere they go on their own property, that this does not stay in the border communities, that the drugs move to Chicago, all of the other distribution points here in this country. This stuff doesn't just stay on the border. It has repercussions throughout the country. So I met and visited with rancher Tyler Klump, who is in the Douglas, Arizona area along the border and kind of asked him what is the talk among ranchers because I heard they've been having meetings about what's happening, the changes that are 
taking place under the Biden administration and how it's negatively impacting them, what might happen in the future. And indeed, Tyler Klump told me that they have been having meetings, and the subject matter is basically that they can't expect a lot of help from the federal government, that they feel like they're pretty much on their own. One of the issues is response time. These are in very remote areas, some of this ranch land, and if there's a problem, if maybe a cartel trafficker is on your property or breaks into your car or breaks into your house or you need help for any reason, the response time can be very long. And the worry is that even if Border Patrol, by the way, wants to do their job, the ranchers think that they're not going to be allowed to. This sounds familiar from my visits of years gone by where Border Patrol agents told me that they did want to do certain things, basically enforce the law that's on the books, but they were being given kind of schizophrenic orders or direction, policy direction from up on high. Very confusing for them. So the results of what I found, uh, more than what I've discussed here in this podcast, will be included in the next two weeks of reporting on Sunday on Full Measure, my cover story. So this will be Sunday, March 7th, Sunday, March 14th. I'm going to focus more on March 14th on the wall fascinating information because construction on the wall was literally stopped overnight by virtue of a Biden administration executive order, which was praised by all of the people who hate the fact that the wall was being built. But there have been some unintended consequences already that are very serious. I'll be discussing that on March 14th. But March 7th has to do more with the impact already on the border towns, what they're expecting and the numbers that we're already seeing. Again, no spin. I just went to talk to the people who live there and work there, and I said, what are you seeing? What are the numbers? What's happening? That's what you're going to get in this report. If you don't know where to watch Full Measure, you can go to CherylAckison.com, click the Full Measure tab, and I have a station list by state. I'll be updating it soon because the station times change from time to time. It's hard to keep it completely updated, but That's a pretty good guide. And if you don't have a station near you or you miss it, really, it's super easy just to go to fullmeasure.news online, fullmeasure.news. And we post the segments right around about noon Eastern time on Sundays after it airs on TV. Easy way to catch these stories anytime. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and that you will subscribe to Full Measure After Hours, leave a great review and share it with your friends. Also watch out for the Cheryl Ackeson podcast, my other podcast, where I continue talking about off-narrative and interesting topics that other people find too hot to handle or you're only hearing maybe one side of an issue on. Don't forget to check out also my bestseller, Slanted, How the News Media Taught Us to Love Censorship and Hate Journalism. If you like this kind of reporting, I promise you will love Slanted and you will learn a lot about what's really behind the death of the news as we once knew it and what you can do about it. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself.